Let's go. Let's go. 15 minutes started. Um, all right, so in my 15 minutes, um, I got two goals. One is to argue for the need for life-on-life discipleship. And we'll talk more about what that is. Matt's going to give a kind of a, a biblical call to that for all of us. And Tyler is going to give a, a bit more kind of practical uh, implications for how that fleshes out in our relationships and our base groups. But what I want to do is I want to argue for the need for that. I want to convince you that it is essential to our walk with Christ, that if we're going to continue to be formed into the likeness of Jesus, that we need to engage with one another in this kind of life-on-life discipleship. The second goal that I have is to diagnose some barriers to that, that make that hard, that, that cause us to be weary in pursuing that. And so I want us to walk away from this first session being so convinced of the necessity of life-on-life discipleship that we're willing to do the hard work to overcome these barriers together. So I want to start with four assumptions. Quickly, the first assumption is that every believer is called to both be a disciple and make disciples. Obviously, we get that from the Great Commission. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And that is a commission, a command, an imperative that is given to every single believer. And so all of us, every believer, is called to both be a disciple and to make disciples. Second assumption, what is a disciple? There's lots of definitions of disciple out there. For our purposes this morning, I'm going to start with one that's very simple. A disciple is a learner and a follower of Jesus. A disciple is someone who learns from Jesus and someone who lives like Jesus and growingly is is uh, following him and living like him in their lives. And so every believer is called to both be that and to make those. Third assumption, being a disciple is a lifelong journey. We don't get to a level of discipleship and then get a discipleship badge or a discipleship trophy and then we're done. We never graduate from the school of discipleship. It's a lifelong journey of growing and being formed into the likeness of Christ and making others who are doing the same. So it's a lifelong journey. It never ends, and we're all on this journey together. And then the fourth assumption that I want to spend a little bit more time on this morning is that head knowledge is not enough. Head knowledge is not enough. Usually when we think about discipleship, we think about content delivery. And, and gaining head knowledge about that content, whether it is learning about Jesus or learning about Scripture or learning about doctrine and theology, learning about what we, what we ought to do and think and say and how we ought to live. Usually when we think about discipleship, we think about content delivery in that respect and that we're gaining head knowledge about that. But listen again to what Jesus said in the Great Commission. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. He didn't say, teach them all that I have commanded you. He said, teach them to obey or observe all that I have commanded you. And there's a big difference between the two of those. And it's the difference between head knowledge and life transformation. It's the difference between knowing what to do and actually doing it, knowing how to live and actually living that way. It's the difference between ivory tower theology and street level theology where our faith actually gets lived out in our lives day by day. And so discipleship, the goal of discipleship is not content delivery or head knowledge. The goal of discipleship is life transformation. The goal of discipleship is that our lives would look different for the glory of God because we are different. 
And so content delivery is part of it, but that's not all, that's not the end-all, be-all of discipleship. Sermons and Bible study are absolutely critical and important, but the goal here is being changed by the grace of God for the glory of God, to give him glory in our lives. And so if that's the goal, if life transformation for the glory of God is the goal of discipleship, then how do we know if we're accomplishing that goal if we're not spending time together intentionally focused on spiritual growth? My wife is a teacher. And she knows that in order to teach a child, it's not just about delivery of content. That's not the goal of teaching. The goal of teaching is not delivering content. It's the child actually learning. And how is she going to know if that child learns unless she... Now, some teachers will give a test and, uh, and try to use that as a means by which they gauge whether or not that child learns. But a good teacher is going to get down on their level and, and, and read with them and hear them pronounce words and gauge whether or not that's happening. The same is true in discipleship. If the goal of discipleship is content delivery, then we don't need this. But the goal of, of discipleship is life, life transformation. In order for that to happen, we need to spend time together intentionally focused on spiritual growth. So now we get to the implication of these assumptions. And the implication is this. Life transformation happens when we spend time together intentionally focused on helping one another grow spiritually. Life transformation happens when we spend time together intentionally focused on helping one another grow spiritually. If you're more of a mathematical person, I'll give it to you in an equation that that Tyler and I and Matt have worked up. And that is time together plus intentional spiritual conversations equals life transformation. Time together. So we're spending time together, but it's not just time talking about the weather or talking about football or talking about the game or our hobbies or whatever the case may be. Those things are good, and that's fine, but we're taking intentional time to focus on spiritual conversations, conversations about how we're doing spiritually, conversations about things that we're struggling with, big life decisions that we're wrestling through, what we're learning from God, and then allowing time and space to allow others in the body of Christ to actually speak into that, to encourage us when we need to be encouraged, to challenge our thinking when we need to be challenged to challenge us that we're thinking biblically, that we're thinking gospelly, Because sometimes left to ourselves in the heat of the moment, we don't. So we need one another. So discipleship includes Bible study and theology and sermons. Absolutely. We need that head knowledge. It's critical. But it also requires the encouragement and the modeling and the challenging and the genuine heart examination that can only come through life on life. It's cliche, but it's true that more is caught than taught. We certainly learn this from the Apostle Paul, from his life. How many times do we hear the Apostle Paul exhorting his readers to imitate him and to watch his life? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he says in verse 5, he says, You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. How did they know what kind of men they proved to be among them except that he was living among them? It was life on life. Then he says in verse 6, You became imitators of us. And then in verse 7 he says, so that you become an example to all the other believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So he, they were following his example because he was living life on life. And then they became an example to others. There was modeling of the life of Jesus that was going on in Thessalonica. In the next chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God. That's the head knowledge. So it's critical. That's the content delivery. But he says, also, we were ready to share with you our own selves because you had become very dear to us. And so this kind of ministry was, was intensely personal that, that he was talking about. Philippians 3, verse 7, 17. 
Paul says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. And so this is the kind of ministry, one another ministry, that God has called each and every one of us in the body of Christ to take part in and to engage in. And it is intensely life on life. So here's the net of what I want to say to you this morning. Being a disciple and making disciples is not primarily about content delivery. It's not primarily about head knowledge. This doesn't mean that that's not important. It's just inadequate in and of itself to accomplish all that God wants to do in us and through us. If I'm going to stay engaged in this lifelong journey of being a disciple and making disciples... Through the ups and downs of life, I need other brothers and sisters, like-minded brothers and sisters around me, who both love me and love Jesus and are willing to do the hard work to keep me on that journey. And you need that too. We all do. So if that's true, and hopefully we're convinced of that, if we truly do need one another, if we're going to stay engaged for a lifetime of growing into Christ's likeness and making other disciples of Jesus for the glory of God, then whatever barriers that may exist that make that hard, whatever barriers exist that make us weary in pursuing that, we need to overcome together. So I want to give you nine barriers real quickly that make this hard and make us weary in pursuing this. The first is spiritual pride. If I don't think I've got any more growing to do, then I'm not going to pursue any kind of discipleship, much less the kind of discipleship that is hard and different and awkward and weird and uncomfortable like life-on-life discipleship. So that's one thing that gets in the way. Another is time. The usual response to this sort of thing is, I'm too busy. I don't have time for this. But if time together is critical both to our spiritual growth and the spiritual growth of our brothers and sisters that are around us, then we simply cannot use that line anymore, that I'm too busy. We simply can't. We have to agree together that it's an invalid excuse. If we're too busy to spend time with one another for the purpose of mutual spiritual development, then we are, in fact, too busy, and something needs to change. Number three, individualism. We just have to admit that this is the current that our culture is drifting towards. Our, our culture is moving downstream towards individualism. I can do it my way. I don't need anybody's help, right? I can do it by myself. We just need to admit that that's the current in which we exist and that it is anti-biblical, it's unbiblical, and anti-Christian. And so we, we have to stand against that in order if we're going to swim upstream against individualism. Number four, fourth barrier, consumerism. If my understanding of church is something that I go to and observe, rather than something that I engage in and become a part of. If my understanding of church is more of a transaction, I'm going to give you Sunday morning, and maybe I'm going to give you an hour and a half on Sunday night for base group. That's what I'm going to give you, and then I'm going to expect in return to be fulfilled or encouraged or become smarter about the Bible or whatever the case may be. If that's my understanding of church, then I am never going to engage in my responsibility to help others grow spiritually. So we need to fight against the mindset of consumerism in the church. Number five, sin. Sin. Sin doesn't want to be exposed. It wants to stay hidden. And so if, if we have sin in our lives, and we all do, there's going to be a tendency to resist this kind of life on life. Because what is hidden wants to remain hidden. Jesus said in John 3, verse 20, Everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his work should be exposed. So there's going to be a tendency to not move towards this to the degree that we are living in sin. 
But what does James say? James says in 520, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We cannot let sin be the reason why we don't engage in this kind of life on life. In fact, because we all have sin in our lives, this is why we need this, to fight against sin. Number six, the barrier of fear. Fear can be a barrier, whether it's the fear of man or the fear of not knowing what to say or the fear of offending someone or someone offending us. Fear, which is the opposite of faith, will paralyze us against engaging in this kind of life-on-life aspect of discipleship. Barrier seven, cultural norms and idols. Um, Idols are anything that keep us from pursuing God and his kingdom. And I'm talking here specifically about good things, or at least morally neutral things, because we know how to make good things into God things. So whether it's football, little league, or soccer, or ballet, or recreation, or leisure, or entertainment, or whatever the case may be, those idols can prevent us from pursuing this kind of life-on-life mutual spiritual development. And that barrier really goes back to the time barrier because if we're too busy, because we've spent our, we're spending our time on other things to pursue spiritual development of one another in, in relationship, then we're simply too busy and we need to reorient our priorities. Barrier number eight, biblical illiteracy. When we say intentional spiritual conversations, we're talking about conversations that are rooted and grounded in the word of God. So we're not talking here about relational warm fuzzies. What we're talking about here is pressing the word into one another's lives. And so, because of that, we need to be growing and advancing in our knowledge of the word so that we can press it into one another's lives in these spiritual conversations. And then one last barrier that really is at play in all of the others is Satan himself, the enemy of our souls. Satan does not want us spending time together intentionally focused on spiritual conversations. Why? Because he does not want us to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. He hates Jesus, and he hates us, and he will do whatever he can to prevent this from happening. And we know that he's at work in all of these other barriers. He's certainly at work in spiritual pride. He's certainly at work in our lack of time and uh, when our priorities are out of whack. He's certainly at work in this cultural current of individualism and isolation. He's at work in the consumeristic uh, view of church. He's certainly at work in our sin, causing us to forget about grace. He's at work in idols, and he's certainly at work in our remaining biblically illiterate. The enemy of our souls wants to rob God of his glory, and so he will oppose this. He will do whatever he can, and we just need to be aware of that. That's part of why simply coming to base group sometimes can be a spiritual battle. But if that's a spiritual battle, how much more will us be pressing into this kind of life-on-life discipleship be a spiritual battle? We just need to recognize that. So these are barriers to life-on-life discipleship, and we need to admit that they are real, but they cannot prevent us from engaging with one another, and we cannot let them keep us from engaging in spiritually helpful and edifying conversations with the word with one another instead together for the glory of god we must overcome this together so i've got some discussion questions that uh, you're going to discuss now in your groups about this the need for this and also what these how these barriers are fleshed out in your group and in your life so i will close there done